Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. We are live. My name is Graham Brown. This is Pitch Deck Asia. We like to showcase some of the best of the dynamic world of startups, people who come with different ideas. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a different course and very welcome as well. Julien Raymond, yeah, welcome hi. to the studio. Thank you for having me. Great to have yet another French voice here in Pitch Deck Asia. We love you guys. There's a lot of French representation here in Singapore and in Asia. Um, we're going to talk about awareness, Awakened Mind, which is your startup, your That's company. It. And um, really that whole deep dive into the world of what everybody's striving for in the modern day, a bit of peace of mind. And happiness. Happiness, yeah. yeah. There was... Uh, that actually reminds me, there's a book, is it Matthew Ricard? Have you read it? The Monk, he's, it's some the art of happiness or something like that. I haven't he's read it. He's a French it. monk, yeah. so if you talk to me in those tones, I'll just imagine that it's him talking to me. So we're going to talk about that, but also in the context of businesses as well. Like what is the benefit of that? How does that actually impact people in the workplace? Yeah. Because you know, everybody can kind of understand why awareness helps them personally but does it help a company a business and so on so maybe we can start at the top obviously you're from france yep whereabouts so i'm born in the very east in Alsace. okay uh, the uh, on the border city. with Next germany, to germany yeah that's it okay in colmar it's called okay yeah. and then your sort of legacy in asia and australia what's the story there yeah so i actually grew up all, ar all around europe um did started studying at ESSEC in France, where I already start, uh, started traveling abroad. Um, and about five years ago, I think it, it, it was in 2014, I moved to Australia um, to do a double master's degree in international mm. management. So I did a degree between U University of Sydney and the National University of Singapore here. Um, and at the end of that, I just found a job uh, in, in Sydney, where um, I worked in a, you know, in a financial fintech and HR tech mm -hmm. um, startup where I was finding employee uh, responsible for scaling their um, enterprise sales and help them grow from zero to $100 million uh, valuation in, in, in just under two years. Um, at what point something happened to me that, that that happens to many, many people, which is I initially joined my, my first startup because I really loved um, what they do, the product, what they stand for, the mm. values and so on. And after a couple of years, I really started realizing that the decision making process of the C-level um, leadership team was more uh, oriented towards their own wallet and their own benefits than than the ones of of, of uh, employees we were serving right or serving um and so yeah started kind of disengaging from there and that's exactly the moment where i when i met my co-founder michael mm. bunting who's um who's been working for 26 years he's a, he's a south african born who's been in australia for 15 years uh and he He's been working for over 20 years as a consultant in leadership development, uh, adult development, and working very deeply with organizations on changing the way those co the, the, his clients work, changing the culture to bring in mindfulness mm. um, and self-awareness to, to the leadership first and then spread it, spread it to the rest of the organization. Now, as a one individual, it's extremely complicated to do that. Um, and so he decided that he needed to 
to find a way to scale it through technology. And so that's when we met. Uh, so, so that was two years ago, started working on, on Awakened Mind. Um, and just a couple of months back, I moved to Singapore uh, as part of the Australian Lending Pads program. Great. So you brought Awakened Mind here? So yeah, we. I mean, we're working globally already with with clients all around the world. Yeah. Um, the core is in Europe and in Australia for now, and uh, we came here to yeah try and understand the market a little bit a little bit better. There are some very interesting stats uh, here that that might um, mean that that they really need what we do, uh, and so I just came here to confirm those uh, hypotheses. Okay, great. Well, welcome to Singapore, firstly. Thank you. And. Let me understand mindfulness. My immediate assumption is meditation. So meditation is obviously a big part of that, but it's actually I would uh, it's actually only one one of the two dimensions that mm. compose mindfulness. Mindfulness is basically training your your brain on staying focused on whatever you're doing at that point in time and right. avoid any judgment. Uh, so that means avoid all of the biases and heuristics that that define um, you know the, the shortcuts of, of our brain of our judgment um, processes. And the idea is really to to develop that skill in order to stay aware of your body, of your mind, of your mm. emotions at any point in time. So meditation is is what we call the 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 formal practice of mindfulness. So it's setting aside some time to actually train that skill very precisely. I sit down or I, there are lots of different activities um, that can be done and that would be considered as, as some kind of, of meditation. Even swimming, as long as we mm. train our brain on staying focused on, on the swim and not starting to think about the meeting tomorrow, whatever happened this morning, what we're going to have for dinner and so on, um, can be called a meditation. And then there is the second dimension, which is the informal practice. Um, and that's all about bringing that skill that we develop during the meditation onto our daily lives. Mm. Um, and that can be as simple as putting your phone aside purposely when you're on a meeting and not, you know, check the notifications, uh, touching it, playing with it and so on and so on. Yeah. Being present That's in the it. moment. It's tough though, isn't it? There's a lot of distractions. Technology obviously <laughs> is a big part of this, right? It's pulling our attention constantly. And I find even like doing this interview as well, that, I find that the best interviews, the best conversations, I should say, rather than interviews that I've had in these podcasts is when you are really present yeah. in the moment. Like, okay, we're aware of all this going on around us. There's technology happening and that, you know, there's different screens and obviously the cameras and the microphones yet yeah, to engage somebody and to really talk that sort of presence. It's hard to have that on a daily basis, but when you achieve it, I feel that you come away and think, wow, that was really interesting. Like, okay, Absolutely. that was business, but also you felt like, A, you connected with somebody and you had a really good conversation. Mm -hmm. I think we struggle, don't we? Because my feelings, and I don't know if I speak for the rest of the world, but that those moments when we're really present are rare. 
you know i don't know is that how it is these days i mean what do you see you must talk to people on a yeah. daily basis about so this. so it is it is very very rare it's very very hard to, to practice and most people um fall very easily into all of the distractions so i mean we, we've all heard that the research that says that the human attention span is lower than that of the goldfish <laughs> uh, so yeah. so actually the, it's, it's called attention deficit trait which is a yeah, global right. phenomenon uh, so eight seconds is the average attention span of human beings uh, and technology addiction plays a huge role uh, in that and so yeah people often just don't even don't even think don't even consider the the practice because t to be honest it's not something that um that is as widely accepted yet mm. or recognized as something that everyone needs to do in order to be a well respected adult right. human being and so it doesn't on. equate to it's sort of like a alternative lifestyle in many people's eyes isn't it? it but i i read uh tim ferris's tribe of mentors i can't remember yeah. whatever it was not not tribe of mentors but the one before tribe tools of titans mm. the big fat red book he wrote he right. interviewed like arnold schwarzenegger and all, all you know high level people who've achieved success in their field whether actors or investors and he, he said and I don't know how true this is, but he comes with authority that it's based on every interview that he did. 80% of the people in that book practice some form of mindfulness on a daily basis. So you can look at it, all these people are, who have success in all, every different kind yeah. of field, sport, business, medicine, practice mindfulness. So the case is out there. I think the data points are out there. It's, it's slowly like people bringing it in and saying, okay, this is not just extreme hippies yeah. right this is like this is has a benefit now to everybody yeah it's it's finally coming so so as you, as you pointed out there are lots of very very famous people that um totally uh credit mindfulness and, and meditation practice to credit their success to mindfulness and meditation practice ray dalio from yeah. bridgewater capital even novak djokovic from uh for the, the tennis the tennis player um and yeah the, the the research is finally catching up so what happened is it, the very first research paper on the benefits of mindfulness dates from 1983 wow it's quite late, really, it, isn't it? it the, it's quite late. Yeah. Um, but the real problem is that for the next 20 years, so between 1983 and 2004, there were less than 100 papers that, that were released yeah. on the benefits of mindfulness. And it's since that time that we finally started seeing a, an ever-increasing... you got a slide, right? I Should got a slide. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's have a look at the data now that we're talking numbers. Uh, we're jumping in and out of the pitch deck, but this one That's here. The one, yeah. Slide, and bear in mind, some people are listening, so they can't see this. Slide okay. three, you've got this exponential curve of mindfulness mindfulness journal publications year by year that's it zero in 1981 in 83 right yeah where are we now so now i mean i, I don't have the the 2018 statistics on here but i think it was about 1200 right. um papers so so yeah so from 2005 we start seeing an increase and um it's really jumped from 700 research papers in 2016 yeah. to 1038 in 2017 uh and today we keep on every day I, I, I find new articles new journals introducing not only actually something that's very interesting uh, in what we do not just individual mindfulness but we start also see uh, something that is called group mindfulness which right. is very interesting in the organizational well, what is that dimension because when I hear group mind it doesn't have a positive uh, tone to it so group mindfulness is really just about having 
practices as a group, as right. a team, for uh, reach the exact same the exact same outcome, which is be present when yeah. we interact as a group and avoid judgments, um, biases, and so on and so on. So that's something that has been proven effective actually already in the 1980s. Um, I don't remember the names uh, and so on, but uh, it was Michael Jordan's. Michael Jordan's team, uh -huh. the, Bulls, the NBA Chicago team, Bulls. whatever yeah. that was. You can tell uh, you're French. Not, <laughs> the Americans will be dying. Yeah, I know. But but so so what happened is his coach actually introduced um, group mindfulness. So they oh. were working together, meditating together, and, and and doing some exercises to to really facilitate that dynamics. And even if individually the players were not specifically practicing, mm. um, well, it actually led them to to become the champions like the year after. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been well documented mindfulness in sport. Yeah, I think a lot of that has been practiced, and it's out there now. People get it. You know, yeah. sports psychology has been a thing for a while. Yeah. Everything from visualization to mindfulness, and that that's out there. Yes, let's uh, yes start again. Less so uh, in the workplace. So let's talk about that because that's really where you come in, yeah, isn't it? And it. I'm really fascinated by this. I know a, a good friend of mine has a very successful startup here, a company called Bamboo. Yeah, so yeah. shout out to Ned Phillips. So Ned's team practice mindfulness. They meditate together. When I thought about that, I thought, oh, that's interesting. But I thought it was more interesting than, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing companies do cool. now. So we see, uh, we see a lot of companies and, and I, yeah, we see a lot of companies that actually bring in trainers, coaches, mm. facilitators that are going to come in and give a one-day workshop or an eight-week program and so on. On Not necessarily mindfulness specifically. It can be as broad as self-awareness, uh, resilience, um, just general emotional intelligence training and so on. Um, and so, so that's something that is very, very popular, bringing people in. The, the problem is that all of those topics to actually get the benefits from 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 the training it uh, it really relies on on having a continuous practice and so those organizations keep on bringing in people and, and mm -hmm. having those trainings and that's kind of that checkbox that you do but uh, a few days later employees or and leaders just just get out of it because they don't have actually a support support structure mm -hmm. um to really build up on that training and and, and really understand um really consolidate those learnings even if they understand they haven't understood it really well it's not fundamentally inside it. them right it's just they haven't awakened okay there you go so it's it's a long-term process as well so it, you're looking to change that put in a bit of a long-term base for people to practice not just to do it in a short sprint that's it this is the world we live in though isn't it we yeah. want results we're going to do a sprint we're going to do a mindfulness sprint for the next three weeks right yeah. okay so let's talk about awakened mind we're going to jump into the pitch deck now so we've looked at the numbers. You talked about the problem, which is, uh, I, I don't even know we need to really go deep into the problem. Like we are as a, a race quite stressed. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, if you don't get that bit, then yeah. there's no point going any further, right? <laughs> so I think it's well documented. So the solution really is mindfulness is a part of that. But within that, the problem of the solution in a sense is that a lot of people want this. Mm. A, they don't have the time. B, they don't know how like you say, these sort of mindfulness sprints where, you know, I'm going to get this and I'm going to do this and check it off, yeah. right? Which is obviously not what it's about. 
Mm. So um, you've brought us to understand a little bit about what mindfulness is, how we practice it. You talked about the formal and informal practice, which is really interesting because mm. I think people think just meditation, but for you, it's that ongoing practice, staying awake, staying mindful during the day. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard people talk about walking meditation and stuff like that. I guess that's... Yeah, lots of ways to meditate. Even even just sitting down, not thinking about anything, playing with your plush, your favorite plush toy as a kid yeah. uh, and, and focusing on the feeling of the, of the plush uh, is can, can be meditation. It's just about training your brain to not thinking about anything else. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll come to that in a minute. And the I remember with my son when he was a kid, like I mean he's a kid now but when he was a kid kid like five years old yeah. eating an ice cream and I just watched him and I sat for a minute and it was quite mindful for me watching him eating an ice cream because I was just like turned off you know it's like just watch it and enjoy yeah. you know when you watch somebody make something like a craftsman and you just they're really into it you can just enjoy that that them in the zone yeah just like you say with sport, for example, when somebody plays you can really get into that and watching him eating an ice cream and I said to him what are you thinking about? Because if I'm doing that, like I'm thinking a thousand different things and he's like, nothing. <laughs> and I thought there was quite a purity in that, that I think we try and capture that a little bit is that in a way it's in us, but we've kind of, I don't know what you feel about. Why is that? We've kind of learned it away, if you like. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's actually a great point because um, mindfulness is something that you're born with. Uh, so exactly as you pointed out, babies, they are never thinking about what they're going to eat later or what uh, what happened yesterday. They're just thinking about whatever is making them cry at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, and so they are always constantly 100% mindful and it's our environment. It's as we grow up, it's the it's the interaction with people, the different tools that we use and, and just everything that happens in our life that takes that, um, that quality out of us. Mm. Uh, and that's when the training uh, of mindfulness and the practice becomes important because the idea is you will never be able to, to be 100% mindful. It's literally mm -hmm. impossible. There are too many things happening in, in life. And if you want to be 100% mindful, you, the only way is to live in a cave, right. which, which is not working for, not, not something that works for everyone. So the idea is really just to not let that quality get out of us too much. Mm. Bring it back. Yeah, that's it. In moments. And I, I guess in a way, maybe people are a little bit scared because it can be associated with childishness, right? That it looks a bit childish for like just, you associate that's how children think. Yet yeah. There's a real, like, and we'll talk about the benefits in a minute of thinking like that. And there's a lot of research done about when they talk about entrepreneurs and very creative people, sometimes they're quite childish, not in behaving like children, but they, they, they have that sort of presence in a way. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that maybe one of the reasons we don't let that back into our world is because we're fearful that in some way it's a regression going backwards. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm like this, I'm very productive like this. I don't want to be like that. Okay. So, so that, that's actually, uh, Th that that might be true for for the mindfulness of the body and the mindfulness of of your mind, so being aware of of your body, what's happening inside of you. Mm. But there is also a very very so 
the, the, higher the higher levels of mindfulness start to help you actually stay in control of your, of your mental patterns. So, you know, these behaviors that we all have that we don't like having yeah. uh, and that we always end up noticing a bit later, ah, I did it again. No, I, I have so many of those. <laughs> Me too. And, and that's something that as a child, you, you don't understand that, right. that it's something that, that you need to work on. Yeah. Um, but that's something that as an adult, you start realizing it. And that's what mindfulness starts to allow you to, to, to keep in check. Right, it's like you're an actor. You're what you're stepping back a little bit and watching your. You're a director. And you're seeing actually, I'm just an actor in this. I can step back a little bit. That's right? exactly it. In my example, yeah. uh, I grew up a little bit capricious, and I had some. I I still have some anger issues right. sometimes. Just a little bit, you know, of of warm blood that that fuses at once, and. Uh, Practicing mindfulness. I mean, I'm not at the point where I am totally zen. I'm, I'm not gonna not gonna lie, but it really allows me to actually start capturing and noticing when I start having this kind of, of warm yeah, yeah. of heat that's coming up, and before I start talking and saying things that I may not want to actually say, mm. um, I just realize, okay, this is the this is the pattern that where I know things are going to happen that that should not happen so i should just stop right now so it's not like you don't have those feelings it's just that you have a break uh, almost like a gap that's it between that feeling and your behavior that's exactly it you so it's not like you don't feel angry or you feel like somebody cuts you off in the queue you're like <sighs> but before you actually flip you actually have that moment to stop and that's exactly it. So, so flipping for people is a, it's one thing, but um, as you practice mindfulness, you start kind of deconstructing it into different right. things that happen in your body, in your mind, and so on and so on. And so, and so that's exactly it. Before the tipping point of mm. the flipping, you 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 notice and, and you do something about it. Yeah. Okay. We we have to look at how you're going to solve the problem of practicing mindfulness. Yeah. Because everybody obviously wants this in some form nobody would say no i don't want to be happier no. so but how do you get there i think the issue is everything that we talked about but also people are quite busy and they want results yeah and i've done meditation before and i've it's extremely frustrating for me and sitting down i'm one of these people and i don't know if you find i mean as an entrepreneur yourself we've had these conversations in here with entrepreneurs it's, it's very noisy up there yeah up here there's a lot going on it's like you're meditating and you're trying to shut it off and then it's like i've got to pay that bill i've got to finish that website i'm building and then like so, oh, what happened and then you know that practice i've got to keep bringing it back bringing it back bringing it back that's very Just frustrating annoying, yeah <laughs> it's very annoying and then um you know months and months of doing that eventually not making progress so i imagine a lot of people get frustrated and get bored even with with practicing mindfulness yeah. that they're not getting results maybe they're doing it for the wrong reasons i don't know what why is that so i i think i think that's exactly they do it for the for the wrong reasons they're they're expecting Kumbaya, a kumbaya type of moment where up wow. all of a sudden I understand everything. Yeah. I I know I I know I saw God, and that's just not how it works. And it's it's all about 
and that's also something that that mindfulness and the the, the practice brings you. It's developing acceptance of what is now, mm. um, and, and, and again having a more granular view on your life, on your experiences, on what happened, and throughout time, if you really, really. So just to give you um, some 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 stats behind that, actually, um, it's been proven that you only need to practice meditation for 10 to 12 minutes a day uh, and in six to eight weeks you literally have your brain that rewires it, itself so that's something so that that is not something that you can really see right, right. but it does happen uh, and and a few weeks later you start feeling like i mean i know i, ha I haven't started mindfulness a long time ago it's, it was just a couple of years back right mm. and um and i mean after a few months, so it, it does take time, of course, you really start noticing. So it's, it's, all, it's all about not quitting. And that's why we kind of, um, we, we work with teams and with organizations mm. as groups because you add a dimension that is the accountability. Right. When you're doing with yourself and just for yourself, it's so easy to quit because you're not accountable to, to, to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no feedback as well, is there? It's like That's when you're doing it as a group, you can talk about this stuff. When you're on your own, it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. So you find it's better to do it as a group, more effective? Will I get better results? Because there's that danger, isn't it, doing exercises as a group, where it's like, are you going to the gym tonight? No. I'm, oh, I'm not going to go then. So you have that th that dynamic going on. So the results, I, I, they, I wouldn't say they get specifically necessarily better mm. but you will have more people that gets those benefits then so if you take a hundred people that just and you get them to download a meditation about there yeah you will have maybe two three that will actually get to it and benefit from it if you get a team of 20 people and have them run a program as a team uh you will have more than 50 percent that really benefit from it in, in eight weeks right and we can talk about what those benefits are for yeah. the CEO who needs the business case to make this work. Sure. We can look at that as well, the investment. Let, let's get the uh, app up and have a look at it as well. And I'm obviously going to ask you the question you must get asked all the time is, why an app? Because, you know, surely we should be turning off from technology, right? I mean, I'm sure you've heard all this before. So these are all the numbers. We'll flick pie. We'll come back to those in a minute. But I'll have a look. You've got the Awaken Mind app. And I know you have the sort of the platform as well. You've got the learning center here, That's it. guided meditation, Neurosync, which is, we're going a bit deeper here. It's pretty um, exciting stuff. Yeah, you've got all the different tools within that. Can you just start at the top? This is yeah. effectively a meditation app with extra dimensions to it. That's how I see it from the pitch deck, but yes. maybe there's more. So it's a holistic mindfulness application um, and, and it's designed for the health and well-being of organizations. Mm -hmm. So as we said earlier, companies really very easily just bring someone, a big trainer that is going to, to give whatever training or program and then nothing happens. The idea is to um, is for those trainers, those consultants that already do that work to actually leverage the app. Right. Um, in order to consolidate those learnings and really empower employees to have that tool that allows them to build up on that training. And so after a live training, after um, a, a program, the idea is to get the teams to meet together and use the app, learn from the app. Um, so there are a range of, of topics that are talked about, mainly obviously self-awareness, health and well-being in general, uh, and mindful leadership. And get them to 
together to actually reflect as a team on how they can practically apply the, the, the principles and the benefits of mindfulness for the specificities of their teams and really make it into a practice that is actually sticky mm. uh, within the organization. Right. So it's not just a mindfulness app for an individual. It's aimed at the team designed for the corporate environment okay. so they would interact with each other through the app as well so yeah we there are there there are yeah, there are groups there are chats there mm. are different ways you can comment uh, so we, we create cohorts for each team that, that they will be able to comment with one another see group statistics a lot of gamifications uh, around that um, and, uh, and and we measure always there is a feedback tool inside mm. the app uh, a 360 check-in kind of thing where you just say okay I want to improve myself on as a leader for example um, empower my team to take their own decisions which is something that lots of managers mm. are very adept of micromanaging and it's something that's extremely hard to keep in check well, well, let's start there then I'm interested yeah. in that empowering the team to yeah. make decisions how will mindfulness without we'll come to the app in a minute but how will mindfulness help there so it's really again all about self-awareness and as a leader it's noticing when it's time to to, to cut your people some slack and yeah. it's time to just take a quick step back again you see yourself going the extra mile and asking again for a one specific thing instead of mm. letting the 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 direct reports take their own take their own initiative. Mm. Uh, it, it's just okay. I see what I'm doing here. I see it's the pattern that I want to get rid of, or at least allay in some way or another. Uh, so I'm just going to stop myself. Yeah, it's like being stuck in traffic, isn't it? Sometimes <laughs> you just have to say, "Look, this ain't going to change. I can't change this. It's going to happen." Right? I find I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years, and I find that often being an entrepreneur reinforces and rewards certain ways of thinking and behaviors, not the micromanaging part, but you know, like this, I need to get it done. And yeah. there's a wall, I'm gonna walk through the wall. If there's something in the way, I'm gonna smash through it. And that rewards certain kind of behaviors, patterns, because you can see how that leads to success yeah. in a startup. And in the corporate world, as well maybe by contrast sometimes it's beyond your control like whether or not you get promoted or fired mm. sometimes there's nothing to do with you so in that sense there is that sense of acceptance like you say like okay i'm not in complete control of my fate here so i accept that so but here in the startup world i can't blame somebody for the fact that this didn't work out yeah. You know, it's me or, you know, it's all my fault. I'm just, you know, I saw Gary V saying the other day, like, you know, if you fail at being an entrepreneur in this day and age, like with all the internet and all, you suck. Yeah, yeah I saw that and I thought, <laughs> actually, that's really true. Like, I've got it so easy. So there's no, um, what I'm trying to say, there's nowhere to hide for an entrepreneur. So, you know, you have to accept that I'm like, you know, I have to do all this myself. There's no acceptance. If it fails, it's my fault, bum, 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 all that kind of thinking. So it seems like we must be the hardest people to work with here. Well, yes, uh, yes and no, because I mean, at the end of the day, all of those things, they're external factors. And one very, very core um, thing to, to understand is that 90% of happiness comes from within mm. and external factors are only responsible for 10% of happiness. So if you actually want to be happy, uh, all of those things, they matter, of course, but they should not um, 
send you into depression or send mm. you, you, it's, it's all about building resilience and even if you suck so what who cares like because there are lots of other things that are happening in your life if you suck right. it just means that you were not into it as much as you should have and if you're not into it as much as you should have is that you're not engaged enough or your 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 talent really lays somewhere else so it's all about accepting that yeah. uh staying looking within and just finding either a different path or just keep 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 throwing shit at the wall and, yeah, and see what sticks it, uh, maybe <laughs> just throwing it at the wall is what makes you happy that's right it. <laughs> for some people that's my thing right. i just love trying new things seeing yeah. what works and um and i mean yeah, so I, 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 there are failures. Failures happen, mm. and it's, it's just about okay. It happened. Maybe I suck. Maybe I don't. It doesn't really matter in the end because it happened. Now what's next? And how old are you now, Julian? I'm 26. 26. So, um, in a very patronising way, talking about your generation. I mean, because I'm I'm quite aware of how young people now are consuming social media, and yeah. I don't want to do it in a way. Oh, it's really bad. But I can see, for example, it is really bad. Well, I can see the benefit of it in many ways but i can see also like you take instagram for example and i'm on instagram but i want to get off it because i'm very aware of what how it makes me feel yeah and like i'll it's like you know those fruit machines like you you press the button and it's like yeah it's they're programmed to like okay like it's programmed to gamify your attention in a way and i find like all that it's like i'm comparing i don't have a private jet it's like I must be a failure. Like yeah. all the, this person, look at the villa they've got in Bali. Look at me. I'm working on like Christmas Day, for example. I didn't work on Christmas Day, but I'm working on a holiday, right? I'm seeing this person in a in a villa in Bali. I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? So I find I'm, I'm 46, but I think for younger people, they must be even more sensitive to this, like going to the workplace, looking around, look at social media. How, how, how do you find people in your generation responding to this? Is, is it aware? People aware of that sort of comparison what is the word fear of missing out or yeah um well people to be fair people of my generation i mean at 26 i haven't had many very bad things that happen in my life right i don't have i have it much easier than most of the 50 years old i have to deal with children a wife and uh, whatever so from that standpoint, mindfulness or uh, just gen- or even the problem of technology, you have more time to 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 con- to dedicate to that. You yeah, you're just mo- there is much more leeway mm. that you can that you can allow yourself to have uh, on those topics. But um, it is it is it is a big problem. And again, going going back to 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 the, to the workplace, it actually has a drastic impact on uh, on your performance. So just the fact of having your phone next to you and, and having notifications that pop up increases the likelihood of you making errors, mistakes, and that, that also works when you're studying, by the mm. way, by 28 percent, which is which is a lot, which is tremendous. So if yeah. if you make uh, if you, if you're doing a an exam, a practice exam, uh, you you're you're just going to have your your grade is going to be much lower than than it would than it would if you would turn your phone off, put it in a different room, um, and it's very hard to actually realize the extent to which you're addicted to technology. Uh, but it's the same with again every addiction. Right. Uh, the first step is acceptance, mm. uh, and then get into into the next stage of of moving on a, a, and dealing with it. Um, 
It's the awareness of it, isn't it? It's like that space because we still maybe reach yeah. for it and then think, oh, hang on a second, do I need to look at that when I wake up? Yeah. Actually, Instagram has a, it's, when was it? It was eight months ago, I think now. They, they, they put the, you've seen everything or there's nothing yeah. else to, to see, which is a pretty, pretty good thing. Uh, there is a, a podcast, uh, another podcast uh, called the "Your Undivided Attention." No. By the, have you heard of the hum the Center for Humane Technology? Mm, I may have come across it. Uh, yeah, it's all about exactly that. It's the gamification of, mm. of social media and so on. And 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 the human for the, the Center for Humane Technology is um, is trying to make people understand and especially designers the app designers website designers mm. of the impact that they're having on people because people don't necessarily realize that they're addicted and so on and as a designer when you create your infinite scroll you don't realize yeah. that it might have very very negative repercussion on the psyche of of people all around the world you just think it's great because people are just going to be see see everything as much as they want but is it really good for them that's Not really interesting yeah. i didn't know there was such a movement But that's fascinating. And it, it sense that people are becoming aware of that, at least. Yeah. It's an issue. I want to look at some of the, the numbers you've got here, because I find this really interesting in terms of the impact of awareness and being awake, I yeah. suppose, staying awake in the workplace. And um, just like, you've got, a, you've got a whole set of slides here. I'm just going to bump yeah. back. So I'm just going to find them here, because we jumped around a little bit back six and seven, I think, isn't it? The impact on teams and leaderships here. So you've got impact of mindful leaders on teams and then on followers. Let's talk about, let's start with the followers bit, because yeah. I'm interested in this. So What, that's, that's actually research that has been done by my co-founder, by Michael Bunting. So he wrote a book called The Mindful Leader, which is a, a leadership assessment. Um, and through his research, by interviewing thousands and thousands of leaders around the world, serving mm. millions of employees, literally, um, he came up with the fact that 32.8% of an employee's mental health is entirely dependent on their manager's behavior. Mm. Which means that, yeah, for every 10% of mindful leadership, uh, let's say that that a manager um, mindful leadership behaviors, we're going to call them mindful behaviors. Uh, for every 10% of behavior that they show, it's an it's an extra 2.8% of of the employee's mental health mm. um, that they gain, which which is which, which is ridiculous. A third of your mental health, it it, it should be the most important thing um, mm. taken into consideration when, to when talking about health and well-being. It's not just about giving out free membership, uh, gym membership or a meditation room. It starts at the leadership development. Th those are more gimmicky, right? Aren't they? The fact is it's more fundamental with the people. That's, That's it. And I, I find this a really interesting area because you're seeing increasingly large organizations with huge HR and recruitment budgets trying to get the best talent and retain that talent you know why would i work at facebook or stripe or gojek or grab at the end of the day now it depends on the workplace and they're spending millions on getting those people and you know they the best talent leaves yeah. they go to where they're treated best right and how much of it comes down to this like how well they're treated how well people treat each other it's, it's, i mean culture it's any perk yeah. for breakfast like i mean you can have the, the nicest gaming room at work yeah if, the if every time you're outside again it becomes an escape more than if, if it's an if you need to escape from your work yeah there is a problem there yeah, is a exactly. fundamental problem in your workplace and that's something that needs to be addressed yeah that's very true i mean when you do the numbers like you spend 80 percent 90 percent of your waking life at work yeah right so 
or thinking about it, commuting to work, right? So why not make it a place where you can enjoy? So you talked about the impact of mindful leadership. What would that be, for example? Like how would a mindful leader practice in a way? What is it just being aware of their thought processes and how they, um, we talked about micromanaging. Are there any other examples of that? Micromanaging uh, obviously is one. There are, you know, lots of leaders that tend to show their emotions a bit too much yeah, uh, and don't control what they're saying. Um, so that's a, a, another that's a big thing. <laughs> and and that's, that's, that's everyone at some point in their lives, if I, at some point in, in yeah, continuously, and, and that's all right, but it's all about, again, recognizing it, yeah. um, being aware of it, apologizing if it happens, trying to make it not happen or happen at least less times. Uh, and so that's another dimension um, of mindfulness, which is we talked a lot about internal feeling good, feeling happy, blah, 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 but it's also being aware of the impact that you have around yourself, or around mm. you, uh, on your surroundings, which is extremely important as a leader. Um, so... So yeah, it's it's about noticing and understanding. Um, it's paying more attention to people, to your team members, and, and really understand them, caring for them genuinely, uh, which allows the which allows you to to adapt your behavior to their personality. I mean, mm. and that that falls into emotional intelligence. I mean, you can really pinpoint all of those all of those buzzwords of the corporate environment to the benefits of mindfulness. Mm. How how does that? sit when we live in a world where for example and I, I mean i'm speaking for the position of startups and entrepreneurs and small growing businesses you know fast growing businesses um corporates as well i suppose now are increasing they're trying to teach startup type thinking yeah. and being a bit more lean and agile and so on there is that that whole narrative in that world where you never give up and never accept no for an answer and yet at the same time happiness comes from some degree of acceptance right yeah. so you know when it's raising money for your company don't accept no keep going it's all of that there's that pressure which is almost like this is how you succeed and potentially become happy in this environment and i'm, I'm trying to paraphrase yeah. how people say this, right? It's the when-then game. When I get that, then I'll be happy. I'll be happy, and I won't give up until I get to that point. If you want if you want to be successful, you have to think and do like these guys, and this is their story. They never gave up. They never accepted no for answer. So they, you know, they changed the universe. That was the sort of the narrative, isn't it? It's like this yeah. brilliant person bent the laws of physics, yet you're saying to be happy, we need to accept those yeah, so I think, um, I mean, there are lots of people that are exactly like that, and that's what they love, right? They lo they're salespeople, right? Mm. They just love getting out there and not getting no for an answer, and they're the ones that, that, that talk the loudest in, in every room, and that's why that's the, the story that sticks. But I actually think, I believe that what makes you or what makes you successful or even your company successful are actually meeting uh, the right people and to meet the right people you need to meet people with uh, that that align who whose values align with yours right mm. uh, and to do that you first need to first be very clear on what your values are, who you are as a person, what do you stand for if you meet someone that um for example is very individualistic opportunistic which is which is fine like i mean you know shit happens uh 
but but you are more of a very loyal like uh, it's it's about staying close to to your family your friends like people around you and so on and so on there will always be like you know some kind of clash mm -hmm. uh, at some level and so and so you can't really have a deep 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 partnership where you're going to do everything to help them, they're going to do everything to help you. Uh, where two opportunistic people, they will always find another way to help you to get something out of it. And, and it's, it kind of, of, of snowballs like that. Um, so by being very aware of who you are, what you stand mm. for, and practicing on staying true to that, it starts, you start to attract people that are like that around you and build that network and th and those people are going to be much more likely to help you out and make you more successful and so on and so on and the same uh, the same idea works in the context in the con context of, of organizational development if as an organization you are very clear on what your values are what you stand for and the the outcomes that you want for society as a whole um, you're going to attract people that mm. align with that and if you really really embedded to the DNA of the organization, people that do not align with that are just going to go yeah. away. That's what you want. That's what I want. That's what we want. Yeah, good. I like that. Before I ask you about the, the journey of your company itself and how you sort of grown and what your plans are, out there in the, I suppose more in the media world, who gets celebrated, are there role models in this space, like mindful leaders who you know we have the classic organizational leaders out there who are painted as the role models yeah and you can take your pick and generally they aren't what we're talking about now but are there people who we should be saying look at these people they are good examples of mindful leaders i know it's not perfect that's yeah, what I yeah. but honestly for my favorites and it's probably again a genera generational thing is is, is who you see uh, mentioned earlier gary v Really? Gary Vaynerchuk, he is a very, very compassion-driven uh, leader, uh, always talking about empowering people, giving people time. He's, he, 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 he always says that even the, the, the latest intern that just started two weeks ago is going to find time for them. Um, and it's really just all about building a culture where people feel appreciated feel uh, and just get what they want get what they need even if you come in just to for six months and then you leave and create your own media agency he's fine with that as long as you're honest about it which is mm. one of his core values um so that's 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 someone that that i really really like really uh, it's really interesting love. you say that because he doesn't come across as mindful because he's quite not aggressive but hard pointed delivery isn't it i would have thought a man mindful person is like more like a guru, <laughs> like yeah. more calm. But you're saying that that shows it doesn't have to be like that, right? Yeah, I mean, again, there are lots, every personality works and like that kind of monk type of thing, they're going to end up in a cave. So they're not going to right. end up being the CEO of a, of a okay, of gotcha. international company. Yeah. Okay, we're just breaking stereotypes. That's the point. I mean, yeah. that's really interesting. Okay, so your company itself, Awakened Mind, tell us about where you are in your development. How old is the company itself and what are your plans from Quick. here? So the product itself, uh, we started building it about four or five years ago. The company, we started working with our very first client two years ago. And in May last year, we really went to, to markets. Uh, we're already working with the, some of the biggest companies in the world. We're, we're working on a global project with one of the 
biggest pharmaceutical groups in the world. Mm. Um, we're working with one of the big four for the entire Asian region here in South Asia. Uh, we're working with the biggest uh, CRM company uh, for the whole APAC. Um, and uh, and yeah, the, the, the list goes on like a hotel company is the, big, the, the second biggest hotel group. Uh, and what we are really, really focusing on right now is actually getting some research uh, mm. done. So you, you we, we mentioned the, the research earlier and there is one research that shows that my leaders that show advanced level of, of mindfulness or self-awareness have employees that are up to 28% more productive, half as likely to burn out, mm. which is a big, big thing here in, in, in Singapore. Um, well, one of the researchers behind that uh, was my professor at NUS. And so when I came back here, we kind of reconvened uh, and we're now working together on a full on global research with our global clients uh, to really demonstrate not just the benefit of individual mindfulness in the corporate environment, which has already been demonstrated many times, but we're tackling these group dynamic things mm. that, we, that we mentioned earlier and, and group mindfulness and, and, and yeah, really try and, and have a, a deep dive into that. Right. So the focus is on producing that sort of thought leadership research yeah so so we i mean no one is really doing what we do mm. um where it's extremely different from any meditation app out there uh, or even training organizations out there we come as a way to consolidate what already exists mm. um it's a problem that is widely recognized that has absolutely no solution so far uh and so the idea is to make people understand that it's, it's to to make people understand that yes there is a solution there is a wake in mind and it works great and are you raising funds at the moment not raising you're not funds. raising funds at the moment really? are you recruiting uh, we're recru not recruiting yet but uh, i will be recruiting in in 2020 right uh, so it's very soon right now we're yeah we're yeah i'm going to be recruiting in ux predominantly so it's in app app engagement okay. ux um, but now's uh, a good time to engage you right i mean if somebody wants to yeah. get on board in the future absolutely it's good to start talking to you and finding a bit about how you know and the why behind the company and so on yeah. long before somebody wants a job with you right absolutely because i would say i mean i'm always happy to have conversations yeah. have coffees and so on and, and and i love people giving me advice i mean that know stuff that are experts on topics that i am not of i am trying my best uh, for app engagement for example employee engagement within the app but i don't have i mean i don't have any specific background on that so i, I rely on on my network for that Great. Excellent. Well, I've enjoyed uh, this chat and yeah, learning a little bit about that area. I mean, obviously, we're aware of awareness and mindfulness, but, you know, in, in the sense that is the group dynamic as well and how important that is. And I can see as well, especially being based here in Asia, how much that would come into play. Right. And it's an interesting, you know, I'm not making sweep, sweeping generalizations, but, you know, the large corporates, you know, here with huge workforces yeah and everybody now is talking about burnout mindfulness well-being all these issues as well so it's only gonna uh, and i think that combined with everything we talked about like with instagram Absolutely. and so it's gonna get worse right yeah. so and there is 30 percent of turnover in southeast asia 30 corporates in terms of so 30, 30 employee out of 100 quit their job every year, change yeah. jobs. And and that, that's actually a very, very high statistics. And I mean, mm. the main reason why people quit job is because they have mental health 
issues, whether it's stress, anxiety, depression, and so yeah, on, that, yeah. that are not supported by their environment. Uh, and, and, and that's something that is, that is absolutely dramatic and that needs to be addressed like really right now because in the long run, those people that, that have heavy, that under heavy stress and heavy anxiety are going to pass that on and, 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 and serve that as a, as a model to their yeah. children. Uh, and and the norm and it's going to become the norm and, yeah. and that's not something that we want uh, and and that's something that really differentiates um i think at, at the level of uh, of organizational development differentiates uh southeast asia from australia and um and europe because in those countries um when you quit your job or when you're fired or anything like so in, in france for example you're still okay like you still make money, mm -hmm. you, you have an entire support infrastructure behind you to help you out. And so companies already decades ago started tackling this retention and, and, and paying mm -hmm. attention to people, support, health and well-being and so on and so on, which here was not the case for the longest time, uh, which led and, and that led to, the, to that 30% um, turnover and, and that needs to be addressed. Just before you go, I want to know from you personally what you do like for mindfulness. Okay. Just, I mean, I guess you meditate. Yeah. And so, what, what, what do you do outside of that? Would surprise us the things that you do, yeah. like so practicing on a day-to-day -day basis. One thing that, and, and I've been doing that for years, actually, before even I got into, into mindfulness specifically, my phone has no vibrator, no notification, nothing. Mm. All notifications are off. And it never, I only check my phone when I want to. So at first, it it kind of it was kind of double um, how do you say double edged sword because yeah. I ended up checking it more, more because right. I didn't <laughs> know if there was out. something coming exactly and it takes practice and discipline yeah. to be like no I'm just gonna do whatever I have to do and in an hour or whatever I'll check it and the world still goes on right world still goes on I yeah. still get my shit done uh, everything is working very well so far so yeah no, no nothing to complain do you, just on that matter do you keep the phone in the bedroom at night i do but the main reason behind that is that i i, I do a guided meditation before uh, sleeping and so it's there and then i just sleep right so. that works yeah, yeah. okay because i know it's the temptation isn't it like as soon as you wake up look at the phone check my it. phone is my alarm so that yeah. ain't no choice. You, you got it worked <laughs> out okay well we have a lot to learn julian thanks so much for coming in today and sharing a bit about your journey as well, as well as some insights into awareness and group mindfulness as well. So wishing you all the best. Look forward to hearing more about your research as well. So come back when you've got findings that you want to share as well. Anybody out there as well who is touched by this conversation would like to reach out to Julian. What would be the best way? LinkedIn work for you? Have you LinkedIn works very well for me. Yeah, I know you do check your phone, right? Yeah. Once in a while. Of course. Don't expect an immediate response though. He's doing, <laughs> he's probably meditating somewhere. Right? That's it. Getting on with it. That's Julien Ramond, everybody from The Awakened Mind. Um, thank you so much for coming today. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Thank you very much. That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders, go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us, and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.